0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up, Sam and I are going back and forth, giving you one cornerback and one receiver that fits the Vikings' needs from each round of the draft. And it's all coming up next on the draft edition of the Football Party.
1: Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast.
0: Back in the lab, another edition of the football party on the Locked On Sports Minnesota Network. Your daily breakdown of everything, Minnesota Vikings, which you can now find streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for and download our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's Sam Ekstrom on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom, co host of The Ron Johnson Show every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday today. I'm taking over weekly draft edition of the show. And Sam, I know you give me a little heat for the uh, draft countdown bit, but today is a big milestone because today Mm -hmm. marks 30 days, just one month away from the 2023 NFL draft. So things are starting to heat up in a big way here today.
1: Undoubtedly. Um, Starting to, to get a feeling for where guys are going to settle kind of on that big board. Uh, you can really start to, to piece together realistically who might be available for your team. Still probably have a little bit of movement with that, that Aaron Rodgers deal. And maybe there's a couple other big splashes, Lamar Jackson trade potentially, but starting to come into focus, man. Looking forward to it.
0: Your daily reminder today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Plus, don't forget, you can now find us streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for and download our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. All right, Sammy, let's get into today's exercise. Here's the premise, I guess, in a nutshell. The Vikes, obviously, they got a plethora of positions to address during the draft next month. But when you look at the majority of mock drafts, the two positions that seem to be talked about the most, outside of quarterback, that is, is cornerback and wide receiver. And this offseason, thus far... It really hasn't helped fans feel great about either position going into the 2023 season or really the long haul, if we're being honest. Adam Thielen's gone. Pat P to Pittsburgh. Even the fan favorite, Duke Shelley, they couldn't muster up, what, 1.5 mil to keep him around. Why stop there? Let's just cut Cam Dansler while we're at it, too. So I know they got Justin Jefferson and they got Byron Murphy on the other end there now. But outside of that just feels like there's a lot of question marks here. Booth and a Caleb Evans, still big mysteries. KJ Osborne, love the guy, but is he a true number two wide receiver? Not sure. Not to mention, he's going to be a free agent next year too. So is he going to be a part of the long-term plans? I'm not sure. And I mean, you know, I love what we saw from Jalen Naylor as much as the next guy, but is he enough to stop you from drafting a wide receiver early on? Probably not. So, Tons of questions at two major positions for the Vikings. So I say we give the folks at home one prospect from each position in each round. The Vikings are picking. That kind of fits the Brian Flores and Kevin O'Connell schemes, if you will. I'll take the cornerbacks. You can take the receivers. If you got some extra cornerbacks you want to fling out there, by all means, have at it. Quick reminder, too, before we start. The Vikes got pick 23 as it stands now, 23 in round one, no second rounder, a third, fourth, fifth, and sixth round pick, and no seventh round pick from the Ross Blacklock deal, I want to say, last summer. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. I think that was for the Ross Blacklock deal. That sounds about right. Yeah. So I'll hand it over to you. You kick things off. One round, one wide receiver target that fits the Vikings needs the most. Who you got?
1: Yeah, well, I would be disingenuous to myself if I didn't go with my biggest draft crush, and that's Josh Downs from North Carolina. Downs can contested catch with the best of them despite being a little bit undersized. He's tough in that sense, but he's also fast. He operates mostly from the slot, so that's maybe the one red flag. That's why he's dropping to the back of the first round. Um, but productive each of the last two years at North Carolina, very, very productive, really good at running routes. I just think he's the, the complete package, maybe other than the concern about being able to play on the boundary. Josh Downs is one of my favorites, and uh, I think he would fill certainly that like rookie wide receiver need that that we're looking for now as Justin Jefferson's likely going to get paid, K.J. Osborne's going to get paid. Uh, You need someone on that cheap rookie deal that can come in and kind of contribute and and just do it all for you. And I think that that Josh Downs is a really, really solid prospect as a wide receiver.
0: I'm really glad you went with Downs here because Zay Flowers, I know, gets flung out a lot and kind of tied to the Vikings at 23. If I'm going undersized, more quick, shifty, lightning bug receiver— Honestly, I think I'd rather lean Josh Downs than Zay Flowers. And I know he kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit at the Combine when you're working out next to, you know, heightweight weight, speed freaks like Quentin Johnston from TCU. But he did really affirm what makes him so special at the collegiate level. Outstanding burst and change of directions just to separate from defensive backs and get in and out of his routes. I think he had a top five, 10-yard split. You mentioned it production standpoint. Top three receiver in the class, period. Back-to-back 1,000-yard receiving seasons last year and averaged nearly 100 receptions in both seasons as well. So you mentioned ultra-productive, and I just I love the aggressiveness. I think it was Steve Smith was my player comp for him. Under-guys, but the guy thinks he's 6'5", 230. He plays with that feistiness and aggressiveness. And you mentioned it as well. He can go up and get it. Don't let that 5'9 stature fool you. So I'm really glad you went with him over Zay Flowers. Back to me, cornerback, a lot of options here. This cornerback class is loaded, especially in round one. My favorite draft crush, maybe the dream scenario, probably Illinois' Devon Witherspoon, who, you know, originally, Sam, he was a locked top 10, 12 pick. Now it feels like He would be a huge outlier in the top half of round one just in general because you usually never see cornerbacks this light – drafted that high he showed up to India at only a buck 81 and again just looking at the last 20 years or so if he were to be drafted in the first half of round one it would be a pretty big outlier meaning maybe he could slip to the Vikings you just never know especially coming off this hamstring injury I know that's kind of slowed down his entire kind of pre-draft process so to speak seemed to plateau his draft stock and momentum a little bit so he's the dream I don't care if he's only a buck eighty. He plays tough as nails, flip on the tape, maybe the best click and close of anyone I've seen in years. Probably the best pure man cover corner out there. In fact, and I put this in the new draft newsletter coming out this week. Quick plug on that. You can sign up for that over on the lockdown homepage. In 113 snaps and press coverage, Witherspoon allowed one yard last year. That's it. So he's the dream. If he's gone, which I'm just mentally preparing for now, so I don't have another meltdown like I did last year with Kyle Hamilton, another guy I love, and I think would just thrive under Brian Flores, by the way, Deontay Banks from Maryland. He started out kind of buried on the list in the process, but as we just get closer and closer to draft weekend, he is constantly one of the first four cornerbacks you see in all the big name mock drafts, like the Mel Kuypers, the Todd McShays, Daniel Jeremiah. The draft community really loves this kid and for good reason. Six foot 197. He is by far one of the most physical cover corners in this entire class. And the other thing, Sam, this dude's a physical freak too. Check out the combine numbers. 43540, third fastest combine for any corner, seventh fastest 10-yard split, the highest vert. Of any cornerback in the entire combine, 42 inch vert, that's insane, and the second longest broad jump. So, according to next gen stats, he scored the highest athletic score of any cornerback in Indy. So, he's not just one of these workout warriors. I mean, his tape's phenomenal. If Witherspoon is the best natural man cover corner, I think Deontay Banks is the second best man cover corner. The cons on him, you know, do a little bit more digging. He doesn't have elite length. You know, the arm length isn't like Julius Brents or some other guys. He's not nearly the same guy playing in zone coverage. And again, I think that's okay because Flores runs that heavy man scheme. And then lastly, he just really doesn't have a ton of tape or experience for being a 23-year-old. He had the COVID year, and then he had a shoulder injury. Otherwise, he probably would have came out a year earlier. But all in all, I just think when... You look at the tape, match with the physical skill set, the lower body explosiveness that we know Quasey really covets just based off the guys he drafted last year. I think this is a guy who will really thrive in the NFL and flourish under Brian Flores for years to come. You get him on one side and Byron Murphy on the other. Watch out, man, because... I think it just allows you to do so many things schematically like putting Harrison Smith and Lewisine in the box more where I think they can both run around and just make some big plays near the line of scrimmage. The more I watch, the more I love what I'm seeing, and I'd be more than satisfied with him at pick 23, especially over guys like Cam Smith. Keely Ringo I just don't see the same type of production or skill set for being guys projected in round one and usually tied when you look at some of these mock drafts to the Vikings that's just me personally at this point in the process and then last thing I just got to remind folks real quick I say it every time There is about 8 to 10 teams legitimately picking right before the Vikes. They could all go corner. And you mentioned it last week, I think. It's just a position now where every team, they just can't have enough good ones when an offense lives in 11 personnel or is going to spread you out 4 or 5 wide. So, Gonzalez from Oregon, he's long gone. Joey Porter Jr., I think he's long gone as well. Witherspoon, maybe he lasts. I'd put it at about 25 30% chance at this point. But Banks... I think certainly he could get sniped right before the Vikes are on the clock at pick 23-2 with the Lions, Bucks, Seattle, and even Ravens all in play for a cornerback. Quick thoughts on round one cornerback, maybe your favorite round one guy before we get to uh, your round three wide receiver you think the Vikings should target.
1: So like you, you've got a backup for your crush Witherspoon. Your backup is Banks. My, I don't think Witherspoon's going to be there. My, my crush is Banks, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to find a backup for Banks because – you know, Deontay Banks and Josh Downs are maybe my top favorite two favorite guys in the draft. Um, you kind of just, you know, poured some cold water on Cam Smith. Um, I jotted his name down sort of as an intriguing backup option as I looked for my sort of secondary choice. What what is your uh, hesitation with Cam Smith? Because I, I, he's not like huge. He's not super physical, but his twenty twenty one was outstanding little step back in 2022 but still pretty good um can play a little inside outside what is your kind of biggest gripe with Cam Smith other than um and I'm not talking about the golfer like the the golfer who went to play for LIV <laughs> Don't be confused yes, here we all have gripes with with that Cam Smith but no, what what's your deal with this guy? Of all the
0: top options, and again, there's plenty of them. And you're right. Like early in this process, I circled Cam Smith and Keely Ringo as guys that I would probably fall in love with. The more guys that I watch excel in man coverage, when I flipped on his tape, it didn't seem like he could really maintain press or off-man coverage very well, especially down the boundary against some bigger-bodied guys. Now, you mentioned it. The reason why he was so hyped to begin with, great 2021 tape. It just seemed like, for whatever reason, he dipped down quite a bit, lost a lot of contested catches on those intermediate and deep routes, and I just worry about just the momentum heading into the draft. He just doesn't really get me as excited as a Deontay Banks or Devon Witherspoon. He's also only 181 as well, so a little bit lighter, and I worry about His ability to get off blocks. Devon Witherspoon don't got to worry about you know tackling in the run game. We know Brian Flores heard him talk down at the combine. What's the first thing you look for, Brian, in your cornerbacks? they got to be able to tackle. Worry about him just being a little bit lighter and struggling in the tackling game as well. So it's not so much that he can't be really good. It's just I think there's a handful of clearer prospects that seem to not only match the Flores system, but I would be a lot more confident and would get me a lot more excited about drafting in round one. That's all.
1: Okay. I just wanted your input. I'm, I'm looking for my secondary choice. Hopefully, Deontay Banks is the guy. But uh, let me tell you about my my third round mm-hmm. wide receiver. As we pivot down, down. We, we missed round two, unfortunately. Round three. Um, hey, if I'm going to fall in love with Hendon Hooker, I may as well fall in love with, uh, with Jalen Hyatt as well. This guy had one big year where he ran a lot of deep routes, a lot of verticals, a lot of slot snaps. And uh, there are some definite red flags. And I think part of that is because of the stuff that people are knocking Hendon Hooker for is that the offense was gimmicky or the offense was limited in the reads. And by extension, Jalen Hyatt wasn't asked to do a lot of different things, um, kind of just running straight up the field out of the slot. And he was really good at that. So uh, the, the question with Hyatt is, was he held back from doing things that he's able to do um, because of how they wanted that offense to look. And I think that the upside there is maybe worth uh, investigating to see if Hyatt can do more. He's obviously got the speed and hands and he had one huge year at Tennessee last year. If you can get him in the third round, um, I think that would be kind of compelling in round three I
0: would be all over it he's more the smaller quick shifty guy you mentioned the deep burner got the 4-4 speed nobody scored more touchdowns receiving touchdowns than Jalen Hyatt last year and I'm so sick of this well the the Tennessee offense is a little bit gimmicky but all that Tennessee offense did was put up five touchdowns against the number one defense in the country and that was Nick Saban's Alabama defense so there's something special there and I think Jalen Hyatt was one of the big reasons why so I like Jalen Hyatt I've seen him in the round one discussion I don't know if he lasts that far but if he did man certainly I would be all over it all right my round three cornerback and I know I'm flirting with danger here a little bit like you did with Hyatt he could be long gone at this point but any chance I get to talk about Julius Prince <laughs> I have to I mean mm-hmm. shout out Russell Brown turned us on to him what two months ago on this very show I love the fact that That he's an Iowa transfer for some reason. I just love that. So he's got this Big Ten background and origin to his game. Physical as all heck, and when it comes to physical tools, there is no one in this class that offers the size, speed, and length that Julius Prince does. Period. Six foot three, one ninety seven. 34-inch arm length. 34-inch arm length. That's getting close to, like, offensive lineman territory, honestly. And talk about the lower body explosion that Kwasi loves. Brent's had the longest broad jump of any cornerback. He had the second highest vert behind only, our guy, Deontay Banks. And what I think is most impressive, for a guy this tall... The stop-start acceleration. That's usually where these tall, lanky guys struggle. We talk about wide receivers and their three-cone all the time. Remember Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. Fastest three-cone this year. Everyone went nuts about it. He's the new wide receiver one. You know who had the second fastest three-cone just behind Jackson? His name's Julius Brents. Six, hmm. six, three, three cone, but Jackson ran his at six foot one. Brent's is nearly six foot four in doing it, which I think is just really special. So this kid, I mean, he's like one of these creative players in Madden. I swear he picked off four passes last year. So he's got the ball skills. He was locked down at the senior bowl. The cons do his game when you're that tall, Sam, the feet, the hips, Usually the first thing you notice, a little bit sluggish in that area, a little bit sloppy backpedal, you could argue. So just not as technically refined, right? Not as polished as some of these other first-round guys. And then lastly it just didn't really seem like he understands route combinations or how to read opposing offenses of wide receivers very well. So you, you wonder you're a little concerned or at least curious about how that translates into the NFL. But every time I break him down, Sam, I think he could be this year's Tariq Woolen who was drafted in the fifth round, but then I asked myself, will teams make that mistake twice? I, I'm just not sure. So I know a lot of folks have him pegged in round three. I think more realistically for the Vikes. say they, You know, Say Quasey made a huge trade back, stockpiled up on a bunch of day three picks and moved down to the end of round two, I think Brents would be kind of the ideal target to get a second cornerback on the boundary next to Byron Murphy. He's a draft crush of mine. That's no secret. And I would love, again, Brian Flores to get his hands on him on day two. Quick thoughts on Brents or another day two Mm -hmm. cornerback you've kind of fallen in love with thus far during the process?
1: Yeah, uh, real quick. You might have said this. What did Brents run? 40 time? Yeah, let me pull it up just because I don't want to be misquoted here. Okay, we wouldn't want any fake news. I want to say
0: 448, program. but I could be
1: wrong. Pretty good. Let me I'll I'll confirm that. I've got Brent's profile. Maybe it was four five eight, even. Uh Julius Brent's four five three. Okay, four five three. For that size, for is that pretty length. Good. Yeah, but but again, look at the vert. Look at the broad jump. Look at the three
0: cone. Obviously, shows you that start-stop acceleration ability. He's got it all in spades, man. So yeah, four, five, three, certainly. Deontay Banks, the burner. Okay. I would prefer that if I could, but I think with the size and length you get on the boundary, more than capable, more than good enough, in my opinion, to keep up with some of the faster receivers in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I I know that I've seen. Some of the people in the analytics community that are very concerned with cornerbacks that are slow, and I'm not saying Brents is slow. The guy I'm looking at, Jalen Jones, um, he's a little bit of Julius Brents light in that he's he's six two, he's bigger, um, but he's a little slower. He's four five seven. Doesn't have the arm length of a Julius Brents. In fact, it's a little bit below average arm length. Uh, did have a very good vertical, did have a very good three cone, but the straight line speed was not very good. He was totally shut down guy at Texas A and M. In fact, only got 19 targets his way in 2022. Not even 21 years old yet, so maybe a little upside there too. I that's just a name that kind of popped off the page to me a little and bit. What I'm was trying... his 40 times, Sam? Four five seven. Okay. Yeah, not stellar, but again, a little bigger body. 62200. So he probably makes up for a little lack of speed by taking up a little more space. I think that Vikings fans got a little spooked with Cam Dansler because Dansler's big knock was his speed um and he didn't really come in with much physicality at all. Like he was just small and not very fast. Um and then he put on some weight, but it cost him some speed. It just it, it, it that wasn't a great athletic profile. Um but Jalen Jones, I think, is just a tad better with that size. All right, you want to hear my uh, round four receiver? Yeah. Marvin Mims. Mm. Oklahoma, three very productive years there. 4-3-8 speed. He can line up inside. He can line up outside. Um, You know, he's not huge. He's like 5'10". Maybe he profiles as a slot guy, but he did line up on the boundary at Oklahoma. Uh, I like him. I like him early day three Marvin Mims. I have not watched one play of Marvin Mims,
0: but I heard at the combine, after the combine, I should say, there was a lot of hype and buzz around him. Wasn't his forty spectacular, sub four four? Wasn't his vertical and broad jump and three cone all that stuff off the charts?
1: Yeah, I no, think he was ten. I think he was four three eight, four three eight speed. That was the big one. Um, vertical and broad were phenomenal. I don't know how well you think that translates to wide receiver talent, but explosive. Very explosive.
0: I think it goes to show how deep, once you get past the first round, and we talk a lot about cornerbacks, I think it goes to show how deep these wide receivers are. Once you get past the Jackson Smith, the Quentin Johnson, the Jordan Addison, you mentioned Jalen Hyatt could slip a little bit, Zay Flowers and Josh Downs. Nathaniel Dell from Houston, or She Rice, two guys I'm really intrigued about. Cedric Tillman, the other Tennessee wide receiver. Marvin Mims, you just flung out in the fourth round. There's a ton of guys, and we haven't even tapped into the senior bowl guys who look good as well. There's a ton of guys on day three, and it just poses the question, if you're quasi and KOC here, what's the mindset? Do we just go all in, push the chips in, and try to get Justin Jefferson the best, most talented running mate we can possibly get? Or do we try to take advantage of some of the value, maybe address another need like defensive tackle or edge rusher, linebacker, whatever it may be, and take advantage of the depth and value of wide receiver with the guy like you just mentioned, Marvin Mims, in round three, maybe round four, somewhere in there. So that's going to be interesting to see, and I'm just really curious, what's the mindset, the blueprint around how they want to attack this specific? Specific draft class because every draft class has its own unique fingerprint if you will and it's just going to be interesting how they again try to take advantage of some of the values at certain positions here and who knows sam as much as we talk about trading back all of a sudden this past week there's a lot of discussion and the heat is building up they may be trading up for a quarterback most likely you would think so it's going to be very intriguing just to see Quasi's mindset here once we get closer to draft weekend all right coming up Vikings targets end round four, five, and six. We got left, but first, don't forget we're presented by FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of Locked On, America's number one sports book and official sports book partner of the NBA. Wolves, Sam, red hot. Once Unreal. again, winning four in a row, two on the West Coast, Golden State, Sacramento last night. They beat them 119-115. They've got the Suns tomorrow night in their third consecutive road game. Get in on all the action at FanDuel.com slash Lockdown. And remember, if you're a new customer, try out the no sweat first bet up to thousand dollars in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win download the easy to use FanDuel app and get your winnings instantly money lines parlays prop bets FanDuel's got everything you need to close out the NBA season's final stretch FanDuel.com slash locked on make every moment more with FanDuel an official sportsbook partner of locked on. All right, Sam. We've mm. already got two big boundary cornerbacks I listed. You got Deontay Banks, you got Julius Prince. How about we switch gears a little bit? Let's get some help on the inside. And I couldn't help myself. There's just two guys I really love here. Arguably the best two, just pure when you think nickel cornerbacks, Tradavius Hodges Tomlinson from TCU and Clark Phillips the third from Utah. I am so curious and so intrigued. Where these guys end up getting drafted, Sam, because when you look at how small they are, Hodges is only five foot seven, Phillips isn't much taller at five foot nine, which is why they both obviously project to the slot and the inside in the NFL. But I'm curious to see where they go because you just don't see small cornerbacks, even for the nickel, go super high on draft weekend. But when you flip on the tape, all you see is Two, feisty, confident, in-your-face players. I mean, they both just got that swag, if you will, that dog mentality they play with. And you can't play timid at this position in the NFL. You can't play scared. you got to be aggressive, within reason, obviously. But both these guys fit the bill, and I think – They're going to excel in the NFL as that number three cornerback for some lucky team. Probably never be boundary guys or that number one or two cornerback for some team. But inside, and you need three good ones nowadays, I think they'll thrive. Tomlinson won the Jim Thorpe Award for nation's best cornerback, period. Not Devon Witherspoon, not Gonzalez, not Banks, not Porter Jr. Tomlinson voted by the coaches as the best cornerback ever in the country. What more do you need to know? He was lights out all season long at TCU when they went on that magical run, and he was really the leader in that secondary all season. Phillips, on the other hand, when he gets hot, he's just electric. He's a turnover machine. Nine interceptions in his three years at Utah, six last year alone, and so he's got a lot of momentum heading into the pros. Best part about it, he took four of those nine to the house on pick sixes so you know he knows how to find the end zone in fact i tweeted out a few weeks back go check it out i posted his highlights from week five this year versus oregon state when he had three picks in one game including one pick six so go check that out he's a big play machine i just love guys who again have a nose for the ball tomlinson and phillips i think they'd be phenomenal additions to replace chandon sullivan huge upgrades there and probably a little bit cheaper as well, and just add some more playmaking ability into the Vikings' nickel defense. Again, both undersized. I get it, but I'm trusting the tape. I feel good about both them projecting to be NFL starters at the next level. Quick thoughts on the nickel position, I guess, for the Vikes. We don't talk about that much before we get to your round five receiving target.
1: No doubt about it. Yeah. um, Chandon Sullivan is likely gone. I don't know if he's signed somewhere, but he's uh, he's not coming back. So the Vikings have a clear opening at the slot. They don't really have a clear successor there. It's very reasonable that they could draft somebody and at least groom them to be the nickel in the near future. Maybe not week one if it's this late in the draft. But yeah, I I think that the, the, the skill is obvious with both those guys, the feistiness. And when you're that size, you have to be aggressive. You have to have kind of an irrational confidence in your mentality that you are better than these guys that are six inches taller than you. The the Travius Hodges Tomlinson height is, is a real concern for me just because uh, he is below kind of the threshold that you see in the NFL. 5'10 usually is like... The lowest you'll see, and this guy's five eight five seven. Um, that's a little bit scary to me. Um, Clark Phillips, you know, gives you a little bit more. I've read that maybe press is not at his strength, but again, you're getting these guys in the fourth or fifth round. These are day three picks. They are going to have weaknesses, and hopefully, you can coach them up. You can find a role for them, um, and you can craft, you know, those those formations around what they are able to do. So, I I like players that. Kind of play bigger than they are, so I, I I respect what they've done, and I obviously go in eyes wide open that okay, it might not be perfect when you're that size. I'm- yeah,
0: like you said at the, at this point in the draft when you're getting mm-hmm. into day three, certainly beggars can't be choosers. I just think I'm with you. Certainly, ideally, loving to be six foot three, but you can't be that small. Five foot seven and win the Jim Thorpe Award for being the nation's best cornerback without being amazing at your job. And I just think both these guys are just football players when you watch the tape. So I'm with you. Certainly concerning. Hopefully, if anything, though, that'll just cause them to get pushed down a little bit and fall in the Vikings lap in rounds four or five, somewhere in that, because we certainly both know they need some help and just extra bodies, some youth, some fresh legs with Shandon Sullivan gone and Duke Shelley as well. And just so many other bodies came to answer. They just need help everywhere. But cornerback specifically, I'm thinking about the nickel and what Brian Flores likes to do. And I just don't know who they're going to plug in there at this point right now today. Is it a yeah. Caleb Evans? Is it Andrew Booth? I don't know what they're right. thinking or their game plan. So I would just like to have a backup plan and just get another young guy in the mix, in the rotation. And I think both those guys fit that bill.
1: Yeah. And and everyone says how hard the nickel is to learn. Like it's, right? it's not... It's not a position that yields a lot of money. Like nickel corners don't really get paid. Which but doesn't make any
0: sense, right? I know.
1: You're on the field 75% of the time, and it's a really tough position to learn, and you have to tackle more and occasionally blitz. Um, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. This is not a, uh, a nickel guy, but I had written down just kind of, you know, back of the napkin, Riley Moss uh, out of Iowa, super intriguing to me. Just with the amount he played for five years at Iowa. He's 23. He's on the older side, but ran a four four five. He's six one, one ninety. So he's not he's not a small guy. Um, seems like he had a pretty productive career and a really good conference. And he, he it's not like he's an outlier. He was good for a long time. Do you have any opinions on Moss?
0: yeah I really liked him at the senior bowl I mean every time they showed him he was sticky in coverage again don't know exactly what Iowa ran a lot I would assume just knowing Pat Ferentz, that he ran a lot of man coverage I know he was a great tackler coming out of Iowa which again one of the first things you got to check the boxes on for Brian Flores and just trying to get in his mindset and I know he was good in coverage when it comes to PFF grades I know both those were above 70 close to the 80s in PFF grades so I don't think he necessarily does one thing, you know, spectacular way, but he could just be a solid number three, number four cornerback at the next level. You mentioned the speed. I think he ran in the four fours, good size, six foot one buck 93. And again, just seemed coachable. That's the thing I love the most down to senior bowl. Just seemed coachable after every rep would go over to the sideline, talk to his coach, learn a little bit more about the technique, about the foot position, about the hips, things like that. And I think there's enough potential there to be a starting coach corner in the NFL again even if it is that number three or number four guy I'm intrigued to see where he goes I've seen his name honestly Sam as high as the third round and I've seen it as low as the sixth round so again I think it just goes to show there is just such a wide net casted on these cornerbacks it's really gonna be on draft weekend kind of pick your flavor and as we all know just watching and following the draft for so many years, it only takes one team to fall in love with a certain guy to make you sit back and go, whoa, this guy got drafted. When? Holy smokes. A lot higher than I thought. Is Riley Moss that guy? I have no idea. Time will tell. But I think he's certainly in that mix, in that second, third tier of
1: cornerbacks. Okay. Um, I've got a fifth-round receiver for you. His name is Jalen Marino Cropper. Fresno State product. Six feet, 180. What I like about him is that I've read about a lot of prospects that they're burners. Like, you know, Jalen Hyatt, for instance. Ah, he can run really fast. He's going to stretch the defense, kind of unrefined as a route runner. Well, with Marino Cropper, maybe a little bit less physically impressive, but he's got the route running tools, and he was kind of a slot guy in 2020-2021 then he played boundary in 2022 and actually had his career best season over a thousand yards at Fresno state. So can play in and out and they, he's got really, really high level route running ability. Um, so Jalen Marino Cropper out of Fresno state. This is now getting into the fifth round. This seems like a, a really nice prospect with some tools to build on at that point in the draft. He,
0: he was at the shrine bowl. Is that is that right? I remember Jeff Risden or Russell Brown went to the Shrine Bowl this year, and I remember they mentioned him by name, Jalen Cropper from Fresno mm-hmm. State. You know, they flung out a handful of guys who looked good and impressed, and he was one of them. So, uh, almost positive he was at the Shrine Bowl, and he looked good. Not sure he did enough to get him invited to the Senior Bowl. Don't remember him there. Yeah, I'll have to do a little bit more digging on him. You've turned me on yeah. to him officially, and Told I'll have everything to check him though.
1: I just read the PFF player comp on him. Uh-oh. Amir Smith-Marset. Uh-oh. Should I take, should I take it all back? <laughs> Stop it.
0: I was hoping you would uh, fling out Jonathan Ringo from Old Miss because speaking of the Senior Bowl and the Shrine Bowl, things like that, remember I talked so highly of Julius Brents. He was the guy, the only guy, that gave Julius Brent some fits down there, Jonathan Mingo. And I just love Mm. his versatility, his, his physicality and athleticism. And when you look at the RAS scores next to each other, he's got a better RAS score than A.J. Brown, another former Ole Miss receiver who's been doing pretty good in the NFL thus far. Let's just say that. So I love thinking about at this point in the draft, the height, weight, speed kind of guys on the boundary opposite of Justin Jefferson. One to just take advantage of those double coverages and the one-on-one looks defenses are going to give you. Mingo seems like one of those guys in the fourth, fifth round that I feel like, honestly, just looking at his, his body of work and and what he did at the Combine, I feel like, honestly, any other year we'd be talking about him at least in the third round, maybe fourth round, somewhere yeah. like that. seems like now you, we're talking about these guys in the fifth, maybe even sixth round. Again, just so many of these guys. In fact, I hope if the Vikings can trade back and stockpile just a couple extra picks, they double dip. At at least one of these positions, just knowing how deep and how much value you're getting compared to any other year. So whether it's two wide receivers or two cornerbacks, I really hope they take advantage of some of this step. Uh, My fifth round corner to circle at home, I really love as we just kind of, again, like you said, get deeper in the weeds here. Alabama's Eli Ricks. Quick little background on him. He started out at LSU a.k.a. Cornerback University. So you know he was highly regarded coming out of high school. He then transferred to Alabama, the number one defense in the country. So great pedigree, track record early on in his collegiate career. And he just looked instinctive. He displayed that kind of football-like hue and quickness. Kind of stood out in both those secondaries, LSU and Alabama. He's six foot two, like your boy Jalen Jones. So if you're looking for more size, if you if you got burned by Cam Dantzler in that light size, six foot two. I mean, pretty solid size. You're not gonna find much better than that. I mean, the Julius Brents and guys like that pretty few and far between. So he got kicked inside, I remember, a lot, the few games that I watched. And and he kind of held up well against bigger-bodied receivers inside. So it made me think about you know what the Vikes do with Justin Jefferson in the slot a lot when teams kind of put their big man, the Calvin Johnson's or the Larry Fitzgerald's in the slot and try to take advantage of some smaller corners. Rick's maybe a guy that could transition well there and keep up just physically with the size and speed. So I know he's raw from just a technique standpoint, I don't know why. I know he's so highly regarded coming out of high school. He was a big five-star recruit. I'm not sure if he maybe just lost some momentum or something from a developmental standpoint, coaching standpoint, making the big switch from LSU to Alabama right at the end. But I think a lot of folks really thought he would have taken a bigger step, and he just never quite did. So I think he's got enough tools, Sam, to be refined by Brian Flores. I'm really putting a lot of stock in Brian Flores with all these guys and trying to think, all right, What are the tools that he covets? And then in what fashion is he going to use these guys? At the line of scrimmage a lot, press man coverage, got to be able to tackle, and then a lot of off man coverage when he sends those exotic third down blitzes as well. Rick's only had two missed tackles last season, but again, I think he's a guy... You want to jot down or just put in the back of your mind for day three, a lot of upside, a lot of versatility inside or outside there as well. Round six, who's your receiver that you hope the Vikings will target just as it stands now? Who you got?
1: Yeah, this guy, you turned me on to Princeton product. Quasi loves Princeton. Andre Yosevis, super fast, super tall, super smart. Ivy League, obviously. Um, That's all you need to know. Andre Yosevis
0: we flung him out about what five weeks ago after the senior bowl dude we were on early i am so curious again i could say this for almost all these guys i'm so curious again where he goes because again the height weight speed guys seem to be i don't say overdrafted but seem to teams and gms and coaches and scouts love to gamble on those guys a little bit more and they don't always pan out but for every miss Once in a while, you find a DK Metcalf late in the second round. I'm not saying he's DK Metcalf by any means, but he is a height, weight, speed freak, and he was a track superstar, I know, as well, so I'm glad you kind of flung him out right at the end. My final cornerback, going into round six, getting really deep in the weeds now here, Sam, Starling Thomas, UAB. One of the things, again, I look for and covet the most with cornerbacks can they just get their hands on the ball any way possible? doesn't need to be interceptions. I just want pass breakups, pass deflections, etc. More times than not, that will always translate into the NFL. In fact, it's one of the reasons, if you remember, I was so excited about Jeff Gladney, especially working with Mike Zimmer. He led the nation at TCU in pass breakups the year he came out. So I thought he was going to be really special. But Starling Thomas, for being a guy, it just doesn't seem – A lot of people talk about he finished with 17 pass breakups. That was top 10 in the country. He got invited to the Shrine Bowl. He balled out there. He was on Bruce Feldman's freak list last summer. He won Alabama's 100-meter dash in high school. He was clocked at 24 miles per hour on the GPS, which when we first started flinging these numbers out, like GPS and miles per hour, Sam, you remember a few months ago? I didn't really know what to compare it to. And then I started to realize 22, 23 is really fast. This is the fastest GPS time speed I've seen. Starling Thomas, 24 miles per hour, according to Bruce Feldman's freak list. That's the fastest I've seen. So that's absolutely insane. Really good impressed man coverage. Again, kind of his bread and butter, if you will. Obviously played lower competition. That's going to push him down quite a bit. But you flip on the tape versus LSU, I thought he held his own between that and the Shrine game. He's kind of proven to me now he can at least hold up with some of the best in the nation. So I think the track speed is also going to be a really nice addition to maybe the special teams room and give Jalen Rager just some more competition back there. I think that's the last kind of wild card thing that we need to think about with all these corners and wide receivers. Who's the guys that... Can play special teams whether it's punt return or kick return who can excel in that area and just give Jalen Rager a little bit more uh again stiff competition so I know it's round six now but Starling Thomas UAB jot that name down uh, as we wrap up here Sam quick question I'm gonna put you on the hot seat yeah you think I've it's also more got a likely... day three
1: wild card your guy Starling Thomas my guy Jacorian Bennett one of only two corners to outrun Deontay Banks in the 40 wow and he's his teammate He's, he's Deontay banks was on one side. Ja'Cory and Bennett was on the other side, both with four, three speed. Uh, he's almost 23. He's a little undersized five eleven, but he's blazing fast and he's really good in man. Jacorian Bennett.
0: Maryland. What's in the water over at Maryland. Holy. How smokes, are they not better, man? Maryland and like Cincinnati had just some combine freaks this year. Um, I love Bennett. I think there's no way he'd last till round six, but if he does. Oh, my gosh. Sprinting to the podium. Round four, round five, maybe. Especially after that combine. Yeah, round four, round five, maybe a little bit more realistic. I just think after that combine, his stock kind of shot up just a little bit. But certainly a day three target nonetheless. All right, last final one here. Just quick knee-jerk reaction, 30 seconds. You think it's more likely that the Vikings trade back, which was always the assumption. We need more picks. Or do you think it's now more likely that they trade up, assuming they're targeting a cornerback? And the only reason I bring that question up is because up until this last week, we haven't heard a lot about that. But all of a sudden, the last few days, you're hearing so much coming out from Kwesi in the front office and the scouting staff and KOC doing a lot of homework and a lot of due diligence on these big quarterbacks in this year's draft class. What do you think's more likely at this point, Sam? Trading back for extra picks or trading up?
1: For a big swing, home run type of swing on a possible <laughs> quarterback. What do you think? Uh, this is an impossible question because, first of all, we barely know Quasi's tendencies in the draft. Now, through through one draft, what what would you say his tendency is? Trade back, right? Like th- like that's what he showed in year one. We don't know if he has has it in him yet. I think Quasi is completely driven by value. I think he's got some principles that he abides by, so he's not going to overpay. Like he's got his formulas, he's got his little windows to say, okay, like if we can trade up to this window of picks, um, then we're suddenly getting value if we only give up this amount. Like he's got the formula in in his brain or on his uh, spreadsheet, and I don't think he pulls the trigger. And he may not know if he's pulling the trigger until draft day to see if the value is right. Um, I would guess that there is an earnest effort to try, but they are not going to overpay to do it. Um, and that might limit them. There might be teams that are willing to pony up more if there's a bidding war. Um, I'm not sure Kwesi's the guy who's going to sacrifice that and lose the trade, quote unquote. So I don't, I, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say that in the end, they will not. And then they'll trade back.
0: I totally think you're right. He is totally the analytical wizard, right? He's all about value. I know you mentioned, well, we know he can trade back. Can he trade up? Well, he traded up for, it was either Brian Asamoah or Caleb Evans. I know he targeted one of those guys and moved up a little bit. And I know we're talking fourth round now, so not nearly as impactful, but he has shown the ability to move up when he does target a guy. I think you're right. At the end of the day, it's just all going to come down to value. And if they fall in love with the right quarterback, Do they fall in love? Is he just a guy just to draft a guy? Or is he a guy that we truly think could be special under our system, let KOC develop him, exactly why we brought and hired KOC in in the first place. Find a young quarterback, get him on that cheap rookie deal so you actually have money to build a good team around these guys. But do they fall in love with that guy? I'm just not sure, Sam. And obviously, we're not going to know until draft weekend. And even after draft weekend, we still may not know the answer. Just because they didn't trade up doesn't mean they didn't fall in love with one. They just couldn't maybe get a deal done. And I would assume... Mm If a guy like Will Levis for example fell past, you know, the Raiders and the Titans at 11, then maybe Quasey's radar starts to, you know, go off a little bit. He starts to pick up the phone, see what it costs to move up 10 spots in round 1, get up to 12, 13, 14 range, and maybe a guy like Will Levis is a guy that he targets. Or maybe our guy in Hooker, Sam, you never know. Hey, did you see mock the new mock to draft five. today? Who did who's you mock see the was new- that? Tannenbaum, Mike Tannenbaum, former okay. Jets GM. I think he works for ESPN now. Fan of the show, obviously. Huge fan of the show. Big fan of the show. Loves to call in. Um, Had Hendon Hooker going top five, number five to the Seattle Seahawks in his latest mock draft. Got to go check that out. Every mock. So that's obviously, you know, the number one bullet point. It's going to raise a lot of eyebrows, a lot of water cooler talk today at work. But the other two things I always look for in these mocks, Sam, where does Jalen Carter go? And where does Bijan Robinson go? Because Bijan's such a wild card; he's a top five prospect in the class, but he's a running back. So how far does he fall? Think he had Bijan going 19 to the Bucks and Jalen Carter for as much off the field issues that he's had. I think the premise is word on the street he's still going to go top 10. Would be a shame you know, the Lions or the Bears ended up getting him because I think they're getting a steal of the deal if they can keep him, you know, on the straight and narrow off the field. But I think he had Jalen Carter slipping the furthest I've seen. I think it was into the teens somewhere, maybe 11 to the Titans somewhere in there, but I haven't seen him fall out of the top 10. So very interesting mock draft there today from Mike Tannenbaum. Check that out on ESPN. Uh, Sam, great list per usual. I knew you'd come with the heat. You gave me a little bit of homework today. I jotted a few names down. I got to go check some of these guys out on day three that you flung out, but a good exercise again to just kind of showcase multiple options that we always talk about. Well, who's the first round guy? You look at the first round on every mock draft and you go, all right, that's it. Who's the other realistic guys that fit these schemes that Brian Flores wants to run? A lot of man coverage that KOC wants to run in his offense. And I think today we did a pretty good job of flinging those guys out. Don't you think?
1: Yeah, I thought that was thorough. I think whoever... Listen to this show. Thank you for listening. I think you've got uh, a lot of names circulating in your head. And hopefully we've, uh, you know, passed on our crushes to you. And now they're yours. We'll share All right.
0: right. One last hot seat here, Sam. Final answer. Vikes pick, pick 23. Is it a wide receiver or is it a cornerback? What's your gut say right now?
1: I mean, sleeping on defensive line a little bit, like we didn't for talk sure. today. Today was not a defensive line show. hundred percent. Still, I think is very much a need for down the road. Like if you, if you draft defensive line, it's probably a stashing situation or a, like a sub package situation for one year. They're not going to start right away. That's fine. But I think that you need to start thinking about that with, Davenport one year deals Zadarius Smith might not be around. daniel Hunter's in the contract year, so start thinking about that pipeline. And and interior is an issue as well. So uh, no, that, a lot of great points. I,
0: I'm with you. I'm all defense first. Build that defense up first and foremost. But it was actually you a few months ago, right when we got into the early part of the off season, that kind of started turning me on to hey. This is a pass-happy, them out run run-up-the-score kind of league now. Who's got the ball-last kind of thing now that we see so often? That Super Bowl we watched, they had, what, 73 points in it? Tells you everything you need to know. Maybe the Vikings need to flip the script here and just double down on receiver and get Justin Jefferson a running mate next to TJ Hawkinson. Like When we look back four or five years from now, is this the point we say, man, They should have invested in offense and just got with the times because as much as we talk about drafting a wide receiver in round one as a luxury, I think we really need to change that mindset leading up to the draft here these final four or five weeks and understand that nowadays – I think wide receiver may be just as important as any other position now, like cornerback, like defensive line, as you mentioned, if not more, because it's already exploded into an offensive league the last, what, what would you say, decade or so since they changed these rules. But to be yeah. honest, I just don't see it changing anytime soon. Usually there's ebbs and flows with things like this. The defense will eventually catch back up and turn things around. But as of now, I see the next 5-10 years minimum being an offensive league like it is now. So Maybe just getting ahead of it early, knowing that we're still early in the KOC era and just him being, you know, an offensive-minded coach. I just think it makes a lot of sense when you look at all the factors and variables at play. But certainly, Brian Flores has something to say in that discussion, and he's looking around going, hey, I need some toys here too. Didn't you let Mike Zimmer draft a cornerback every year in round one, like seven years in a row? Now that I show up, you can't do that. But going to be interesting to see for sure what their game plan is here, Sam, in year two. Of Because like you said, we just have such a small sample size. We still really don't know what his true tendencies are yet when it comes to the draft day strategies. But all right, there you got it. That's a wrap today. Remember, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And join us every day for another episode of The Football Party, your one-stop-shop breakdown of everything Minnesota Vikings. We're a podcast too. Free and available. All platforms. Subscribe. Drop us that five-star review and find us now streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for and download our Lockdown Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Sam Ekstrom, on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom. Check him out every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Co-host of the Ron Johnson Show. Thanks for tuning in to the Football Party, part of Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. We're back tomorrow with the Mailbag Edition with Reggie Wilson from care 11 be sure to check that out but until then i'm luke inman on twitter at luke underscore spinman
1: signing up hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music download the amazon music app today